And there are many times that Marilyn and I will hear some news or something, and one of us will say to the other, there is no hope. Meaning, there is no hope for this society. There is no hope for mankind. Our uh, our hope is in God. This last week I, I heard a recording of Dennis Prager, and he said, I am a happy pessimist. And, and he went on to explain. He said, I don't believe things are going to get better. But he said, I am happy in it. Not that he wants things to get worse, but that he understands the big picture of things. This morning, from 1 Peter, I want us to see, I want us to see, I don't know if optimistic is the right word, because what Dennis Prager said resonated with me. I am a pessimist as far as things getting better, but I'm, I'm happy. I have joy. Um... And so I don't know if this title, Why Be Optimistic, is the right thing, but I hope by the end of our time here this morning that that you come to be one that sees the big picture, and regardless of what happens around us, I mean, I don't care where you look, there's the overriding trend of our society is in a direction that is away from God. But as we sang this morning, our first song, My hope is in the Lord, who made both heaven and earth. And that's what we want to come back to see. Um, 1 Peter chapter 1 Verse 3, I'll begin reading. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen... Ye love, in whom though now ye see him not yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that there is a big picture, that there is a narrative to this life that there is a story and that you are the author 
and the finisher of it. We thank you that we're not just here randomly by chance with no ultimate purpose. And Lord, I pray today that our hearts would be um, encouraged and, and strengthened in the faith as we realize the truths of your word and the applications that they have to our personal lives, to us living right now, February 2018. And Lord, I pray that we would, as a result, be better representatives of your truth. We won't be that. We won't see those purposes accomplished unless you do the work. So I yield to you, Lord. I ask your spirit to do the ministering. In Jesus' name, amen. As you know, Peter was writing to these believers, and in essence, he's saying to them, we have great reason to to have great rejoicing. He said, um, even though you don't see him now, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith. And there's a number of things that he brought out that we need to be reminded of in receiving the end of our faith, that in this day we can have great joy. So someone may ask, why why be so optimistic? Why uh, there's all these evidences of things that are, are going the wrong direction? Why be so optimistic? Number one, because Christ rose again. Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope, a living hope, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. God made good on his promise by sending Jesus Christ to die for our sins. And God is utterly faithful to his promises. And he proved this through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, this is the pinnacle of Christianity. If Christ did not rise from the dead, our faith is empty. Our faith is useless. And and we need to come back and realize the the foundation of our faith is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in, in understanding it, it ought to strengthen our faith. It ought to make us realize, wow, this, he promised this before. He did it exactly as he promised. And it is that same power that works in our lives today. In realizing the the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God vindicates his power to save our souls by rising from the dead. The resurrection authenticates the payment for our sins that proves that the sins are paid for. His resurrection triumphs in victory over sin so that we can confidently... Be assured today that our sins are forgiven and it 
is all because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead assures our salvation. I mean, this is, as I said, the preeminent belief of the New Testament believers. It is why we meet on the first day of the week. Every Sunday we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, every Sunday we're celebrating that Satan did all he could to disrupt the plan of redemption and Jesus Christ triumphantly rose victorious. Every every day that we go to God in prayer, we're reminding ourselves that we serve a living Savior. And it's easy for us to forget that in the world that we're in. It's easy to be encumbered with all the, the pressures and the news of, of this world. But in understanding Jesus Christ arose is, is foundational for us to walk in victory in this world. A second principle that is very important for us to understand is that my faith and hope is not in man. I mean, let that sink into you. Every man, woman, boy, or girl will fail you. Human beings are finite, we're limited, we're restricted, we're fragile, we're fallen, we fail. Our hope is not in man, it is not in the government, it is not in religion, it is not in myself or yourself that we can figure this out. It's not in your heritage. I don't care how far back your heritage goes of Christian, your hope isn't in that. It is not in the economy. Our hope is in God. The psalmist said, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in man. He said in Psalm 146 and verse 3, Put not your trust in princes in whom there is no help. I mean, every... Every individual that has ever lived, there is dirt on them. Meaning, every one of us have bad in our lives. Every one of us will fail. But God never does. My faith and hope is not in man. In God. God is the supreme object of our faith. It is not faith that gives us hope. It is faith in God. See, faith is not the big thing. It's what your faith is in. It is faith in God. Everything else that faith may be in will fail. 
but faith in God. Only God is infinite, meaning there is no limit to any aspect of God. No limit to his resources, no limit to his wisdom, no limit to his knowledge, no limit to his grace. He is Our minds can't comprehend it because everything we know has a limit to it. Winter is going to end. We, we, that's our hope. It, 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 everything in life is going to end. We're limited. And if all we look at is mankind, there is no hope. But my faith and hope is not in man. Thirdly, my faith and hope cannot be touched by circumstances of this life. Jesus Christ is beyond this life. He is set down at the right hand of the Father. He is our faith and hope. He cannot be killed. He cannot be denied. He cannot be voted out. He cannot be made ineffective. And anything that comes in this life does not change God. So that the psalmist said in Psalm 56 in verse 11, In God I have put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Do you understand what he's saying is that anything that happens in this life cannot disrupt my faith in God. It's... it's. Impervious. It, it, it cannot be touched by the circumstances in this life. So tragedy, humanly speaking, may come, but that cannot separate me from the love of God. Disease and, and severe disappointment and destruction may come. But Romans 8 says, Nothing can separate us from the love of God. I mean, that ought to encourage every believer's heart in realizing that here we are today and, oh my, what's going to happen to the economy? And, oh my, what's going to happen in the Middle East? And what's going to happen as I see the doctor next week? And what's going to happen? Regardless, there may be many things happen that that we would not choose But nothing of the circumstances of this life can affect my faith and hope in God. You talk about security. You talk about peace of mind. What a joy that is to know because this life is filled with a lot of question marks. I don't know. What about this and what about that? And to understand no matter what happens in the circumstances of this life, nothing can separate us from the love of God. So that, as we read in Hebrews 13, we can boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do unto me. 
And often we need to remind ourselves of these things. We need to come back because there's many things that create questions that want to to question our faith and make us, I don't know, what's going to happen here? This is protected by anything and everything of this life, and nothing can separate us from the love of God. Number four, my faith and hope, Jesus Christ is undefeated. <clears throat> Last Sunday, the NFL season ended. <clears throat> How many teams have ever played an NFL season and ended it undefeated? One. And who was it? In what year? 72. Maybe their season in. Of all the teams that have played football, only one has ended the complete season undefeated. Do you know how hard it is to be undefeated in anything? I mean... As human beings, we slip up, we make mistakes, we have a bad day. Our Savior is undefeated in every aspect, and it hasn't been that he had to squeak out of it, wow, he got lucky there. No, he is overwhelmingly victorious. Turn to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, and notice verse 54. So when this corruptible, that means our body, it is corruptible, shall have put on incorruption. He's writing to believers. He's talking about the resurrection, that we live eternally. So when this corruptible body shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You notice, death is swallowed up in victory. I mean... That is a term that is used that that completely encompasses and makes it disappear. It's, it isn't just eking out a victory. Our enemy was death and sin and Satan, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ swallowed it up. And in understanding our Savior, 
has faced many, many, many challenges all throughout history. From Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, when it was prophesied that the Savior would be born of a woman, Satan has tried to disrupt and tried to delay and turn aside and corrupt the plan of redemption. And in every time, Jesus Christ has won the victory. And he is undefeated, and when everything is said and done, there'll be one standing, and it will be Jesus Christ. So when you hear these mockers mock about creation or mock about godly morals and principles and understand their day's coming, Jesus Christ is victorious. He is undefeated. I can rest in Him and abide in Him. And He has won the victory. And number five, realize my faith and hope is eternal, not temporal. We read we've been brought to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away. I'm not going to go into that. You've recently studied that in our Wednesday nights. 1 Corinthians 4 says the things which are seen are temporal. Our faith and hope is not just what is seen here. It is eternal. Security comes when you build your life around that which cannot be taken away from you. Around Jesus Christ. That is the only thing that cannot be taken away from you. And in realizing this world is not my home, hallelujah. Everything breaks down, falls apart, goes to pieces. This world is not my home. And that's how we're supposed to live as Christians. Looking toward the future. Understanding we're put here to represent Him, but I have an eternal hope. I have a hope that transcends anything of this life. And because of that, I am optimistic. I am joyous, rejoicing with exceeding joy. Because we have an eternal hope, and number six, I know how everything ends. Everything is going to be all right. Maybe not today, but eventually. And God told us enough of what we need to know how things end. I, um, I've always chided my wife. Her reading habits are she reads the first couple chapters of a book and then goes and reads the last chapter because she says, I want to know how things end. And then one day she said to me, and that is the biblical way to do it because God told us how things are going to end. I haven't argued with her about that since, all right? But understanding how things end makes all the difference in the world. And as Christians, we should be able to walk through the midst of this life with, with 
the debris and the nonsense of this world and have an attitude that rises above it because we know how things end. We know the Scriptures, and I'm not going to go into the, the prophetic times, but incidentally, things that are happening in the Middle East today, literally today, are major, major things that God's already talked about. It's not a coincidence that Russia and Iran are working together. It's not a coincidence that they're preparing to move into the northern part, the northern parts of Israel. It's not a coincidence that Damascus is being destroyed as we speak. These are all biblical prophecies. But the overriding thing is, we know how things end. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is God. So why get bent out of shape how things are going in this world? We know how things are going to end. Yeah, but until we get there, a lot could happen. Number seven, God's grace is sufficient. God will give you the grace to endure, survive, and triumph whatever may come in life. Spurgeon told one evening when he was riding home after a heavy day work, He was weary, he was depressed, when suddenly, as a lightning flash on his mind, he thought of 2 Corinthians 12, 9, My grace is sufficient for thee. He said, I should think it is, Lord. He said, and I burst out laughing. He said, it seemed to me make my unbelief so absurd It's as though some little fish, Spurgeon said, being very thirsty, was troubled about drinking the river dry. And the river said, drink away, my little fish. My stream is sufficient for thee. Or it seemed after the seven years of plenty, a mouse feared that it would die of famine. And Joseph said, cheer up, my little mouse. My granaries are sufficient for thee. Or a man away up on a mountain saying to himself, I fear I shall exhaust all the oxygen in the atmosphere. But the earth might say, Breathe away, O man, and fill thy lungs ever. My atmosphere is sufficient for thee. Little faith, Spurgeon said, will bring our souls to heaven, but great faith will bring heaven to our souls. His grace is sufficient for thee. A large sum of money was given to a man to dispense to a poor preacher. I don't know if he couldn't preach very well or if he didn't have any money or both, okay? But Roland Hill, who was given the money to dispense to the poor preacher, thinking that the amount was too much to send all at once, He sent him a portion of it along with a note that said simply, more to follow. 
In a few days, the man received another envelope containing the same amount of money with the message, more to follow. At regular intervals, there came a third and a fourth and so on. In fact, they continued all along with those cheering words until the sum had been fully received, but all along, more to follow. And when God forgives our sins, there's more forgiveness to follow. He justifies us in the righteousness of Christ, but there's more to follow. He adopts us into his family, but there's more to follow. He prepares us for heaven, but there's more to follow. He gives us grace, but there's more to follow. He helps us to an old age, but there's more to follow. And even when we arrive in the world to come and sit at his feet, there will be more to follow. And you can rest assured that his grace is sufficient. Regardless of what comes in your life, Polycarp was a disciple of the Apostle John an early church leader whose life ended when he refused to betray his Lord. He was asked one last time to disavow his Christ. And Polycarp, as an old man, said, Eighty and six years I have served him, and he has done me no wrong. How can I speak evil of my king who saved me? And here is the prayer he prayed. Father of your beloved and blessed son, Jesus Christ, through whom we have received the knowledge of you, I bless you that you have counted me worthy this day and hour that I might be the number of the martyrs. Among these may I be received before you today in a rich and acceptable sacrifice, as you have beforehand prepared and revealed. Wherefore, I also praise you also for everything. I bless you, I glorify you through the eternal high priest, Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, through whom, with him in the Holy Spirit, be glory unto you both now and and for all ages to come. And the historian said when he had offered up his amen and had finished his prayer, the fireman lit the fire and he was burned at the stake. How does one have the grace to respond like that? He giveth more grace as the burdens grow greater. And whatever may come in your life, God's grace is abundantly sufficient. And so, humanly speaking, looking around, it may look pessimistic. But no, we have great hope because our hope is in God. And we serve a living Savior. Our hope is not in man. It cannot be touched by the circumstances in life. It's not like, well, you know, 
Jesus, is, he, got, he slipped up and was beat that one time. No, he's undefeated. He never will be defeated. It's an eternal hope. We know how things end, and until the end, he is going to give us every bit of grace we need as we walk with him. So if there's anybody that should have a good attitude in this world, it should be we as Christians. Not because things are going good. There may be days things aren't going so good. There may be days things are going bad. But nothing can separate us from the love of God. And in realizing that, our attitude and our spirit should be reflected that we have an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away. We rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. The only reason we don't is because we've lost sight of these truths. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would come to realize what you have given us in yourself. And Lord, that we truly would come to live in light of these truths. And that our life would be a living example, a living testimony of the change that you bring, of the peace that you give. And Lord, that we would rest in your grace and in your promises. Lord, I pray if there is one here today who has never personalized faith in Jesus Christ, that has never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. They've maybe trusted their own works. Maybe they've trusted being a member of this church. Maybe they've trusted baptism. Lord, anything apart from you, I pray today would be the day they call unto you in repentance. And Lord, we rejoice that you promise him that cometh to you, you will in no wise cast out. I pray for believers today that the cares of this life have weighed upon them and they've allowed themselves to be robbed of the joy of you. Perhaps have allowed a negative spirit to creep into their life that all they see is the bad. Lord, may we be brought to see you. And may we come to see the joy that you alone can give. So, Lord, we ask that we would walk, not just today, but until you come again, in light of these truths, and that you would be honored, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Um, let's, let's just...